Everybody's good. That was awesome worship, and amen. It was real worshipful. I mean, sometimes you just need to be worshipful, full of worship, right? Amen, full of worship. That was really sweet. Well, I was going to tell you this morning that, that uh, I actually put the shirt on, and that was the only shirt that I put on. The only time I ever switch shirts is when Becky tells me to. Of course, she uh, exceeded her average this morning. She, her average is three shirts. Well, she changes shirts, but she did five this morning. It's, that's her fifth shirt. Yeah, so I just wanted you all to know that's how she gets dressed in the morning. She tries on shirts. And the, the one I wanted her to wear, she didn't wear, obviously. So, Don't you all love how women are? <laughs> He's a smart man there. Hey, so, yeah, he really is. I'm going to try to stay here. I'm, I, let me get more centered here. There you go. Because last week I was walking outside the, the camera there. So, um, has ever, do y'all have this feeling that perhaps things are never going to be the same again? Do you have that sense about you? Uh, I'm talking in, in our, even in our nation. That our nation may, may never be the same again. Uh, and I'm thinking about the, the church. Uh, I'm thinking about our church. I'm thinking about the body of Christ. Is we may not ever be the same again. And uh, well, a part of me really loves that thought. Uh, the adventuresome thought part of me loves the thought that, that God wants to shift some things. And God wants to change some things. And God wants to some things that were that really were good and wonderful from the Lord in the past season uh, may just be history for us uh, going forward. Which you know, I, there's another part of me, the part that I don't really know what the future holds on a, in in the particulars. That's kind of disturbing to me. I don't know about you, but I feel a little. I feel this real weird dynamic in my heart of kind of an excitement, but also a feeling of being disturbed. Does anybody else feel something like that? Because we don't know really what's in the front of us, but I will tell you this, for us, I know the, the like we had a couple of spiritual fathers in our life that really impacted us, and both of them are in heaven now, but one of them was Arthur Burt. And the last thing he absolutely said to this church, he was 100 years old, uh, the last time he spoke here, he said, the best is in front of you. The best is in front of you. So I, I believe, even though things may feel not 100% comfortable right now, uh, a lot of what's happening in, in our nation, and I believe a lot of what's happened to the church over the past few months, I believe we're going to see down the road that it was necessary. And I, I believe a lot of good can, can come out of this. So I just want you to join me in my feeling of a little bit discomfort. I'm just trying to invite you into my, my feelings here, trying to work through everything. But I wanted to read these verses to you. I want to talk to you about having a Caleb spirit this morning. Uh, and, and, you know, I, uh, Charles Spurgeon, y'all know who Charles Spurgeon is? Well, he, has, he was like the prince of pe- preachers. But if you ever read, you know, you can read his messages if you can read them. I honestly cannot read his messages. A lot of it's the, the, the phraseology, the words that they used back in his era. Uh, 
it just doesn't seem, I can't, it's like you need a translator. Like somebody put this in modern language. I wish somebody would do that. Have you ever read the book of Enoch? Anybody ever read the book of Enoch? That's the same thing. Like somebody put that in, <laughs> in today's language. That's a very, uh, a very interesting book, a very powerful book. Uh, not in the Bible, but it was referenced in the Bible. So, But it, it can be a little challenging to read. But um, Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? I, th- I just feel, Spurgeon called uh, a message that he did. I, I read the, the title of it and read the first paragraph, and that was it. But he said, Caleb is a man for this time. A man for this time. And I think God is looking for people to rise up right now. He's looking for people to, to be like Caleb, who can rise up in this moment in history. You know, there were 12 spies that, that Moses sent to spy out Israel. If you don't know the history of Caleb, he, spent, he, spent, he sent 12 people to go in and look at Israel and spy the land out and to determine how we're going to come in and take this land, invade this land, because that's basically what they did. They invaded Cana and, 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 and went to war with the inhabitants of Cana and basically took it from them. And so Moses sent these spies out, and two of the spies were Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. And so they went, and they came back with a report. And ten of the spies, ironically, we have no clue who those ten are. They died off. They never made it. In the, they did visit, but they died. We don't know their names. But two, they gave a bad report. They terrorized the people of Israel. They put fear in their hearts with their report. They put fear in their hearts. And the people became very afraid and decided, we're not going in there. And they got really angry of Moses. They got angry of Moses for leading them out of Egypt, delivering them. They were angry and said, would to God that we would have not taken us out of Israel. Would to God we just die in the wilderness. Because there was a report of giants. There were reports of great cities and strong people. And they were not warriors. They were wanderers. They were, not, they were, they were slaves. They had not been equipped to, to do warfare at that point in their life. And so they wanted, to, they wanted to get Moses. And they decided, we're not going. We're not going into the promised land. We're, we're going back. And... Well, they had a change of heart uh, the next day, and, but it was too late. The Lord said, no, you're not going. And, he, and so, so we had these two men, Caleb and Joshua, who gave this report. of And Joshua, Caleb was very vocal about it, like, no, we can do this. We can do this. We can go in there and we can take this land. You know, he was very adamant about what he felt. He was a young man. He was 40, I think he was 40 years old. And so, all, you know, 40 years later, here he, you know, they get to get and in, go into Israel. It cost them 40 years. You know, fear cost them. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Fear will cost you everything. It will delay the promises of God in your life. If you allow fear to be the thing that dictates to you and, and, and determines the decisions you're making, if you're doing it out of fear, you're gonna be, it's going to set you back. It's, it's going to cost you. It cost them 40 years. 
And it caused some of these men, a whole group of men, 20 from 20 years old up, did not make it into the promised land. 20 years old and up, they died in the wilderness. There's only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, were the only two who made it into the promises of God out of millions of people, perhaps. Millions of people. And I think part of what the body of Christ is in America is we've got to determine if we're going to live under this blanket of fear and lies that the devil has, has, has aimed at us. Are we going to let that be the thing like those ten other spies? No, we can't do this and cower instead of being like Caleb and Joshua and say, no, we can do this. And why can we do this? Because God sent us and God's word says we can. And that's really what we have to base our lives on is the word of the Lord. We have to base it on the, the objective word, the written word of God, and the subjective word of God, the things that God has spoken to you in your life. And I believe everybody in this room, if you've walked with God any at all, there's promises in your life that you believe from the bottom of your heart that God spoke to you and promised you certain things. And they didn't happen. Yet, right? Or we all, we all have that. I don't think any of us doesn't have that in our life. And so we're living in this time. And think about Caleb. You know, he, he wanted to go and he was ready to go. But he couldn't go. He didn't get to go then. But he lived in that, the, the hope of that promise. He lived in the power of the promise of God for 40 years. Believing that the word of the Lord was going to come true in his life. Believing that God was, is true to what he says and that God would somehow do it. And I can tell you there were probably days in his life where it felt absolutely hopeless that they would ever get there. Because they were walking around wandering in the desert. You know, what a miserable life, nomadic life. You know, and I'm sure there were days where he, he felt discouraged and he felt like it just, did I miss God? Was it just a dream, a pipe dream? Have we all thought, thought that? Well, actually it was 45 years later. I'm going to read this and I'm going to Joshua 14. Y'all looking a little intense at me. It says, uh, so they're already in the promised land at this point. 14, chapter 14 of Joshua, <laughs> the book of Joshua. So we had a few chapters that went on and some, some cool stuff happened. And it says, a delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb. Everybody say led by Caleb. Come on, some that see you see right away, Caleb. Caleb, he's eighty-five years old. He's leading the delegation. He's not grandpa. Hey, oh, y'all should do this. No, he jumps up and he goes. He goes. He didn't let his years stop him because he had something burning in him. He had a promise from God in him that he wanted to see fulfilled. And he believed it must be fulfilled. Led by Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Is that right? The Kedinza night? Something like that. Hey, you know, uh, I was thinking about this this morning. This is sideline. We're going to work on the sound to make the sound sound better on the, on the YouTube. Because the, the worship team don't like the way it sounds. But really, the truth is, they said, we're going to fix you, Byron. 
we're acting like we don't like the way we sound, but it's really the way you sound. So I know, but I, that's why I said, yeah, I want to sound better. <laughs> I wish they could fix me. Okay, they came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, hey, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me. Remember, everybody say remember. There's a time to start remembering some things, y'all. You know, don't just look at, the, at your future. Let's remember not just, oh, the sweet Bible. Let's start remembering the word of the Lord. Come on, start remembering the word of the Lord. What's the word of the Lord over your life? Let's get back to that. Let's get back to the word of the Lord. Everybody say, word of the Lord. Come to me again and for the first time. Give me something new today. And remind, remind me of the things that are still out there. Word of the Lord, come to me. That's a good prayer to pray all, uh, daily. I wake up in the morning, word of the Lord, come to me. Get up there and be nice to your wife. <laughs> be careful when you ask for the word of the Lord. Okay. Remember what he said to you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. That was the place where they were at. That's a famous place in the Bible. That's where the ten spies you know, put the fear in, in the nation's heart. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Cana. I returned and gave an honest report. I gave an honest report. An honest report. Uh, one of the translations, I gave a report from my convictions. From my conviction. Do you have any convictions? Do we have, are we a people of convictions? Are we a people of truth? Are we a people of honesty? That we're not saying one thing, but in our hearts there's something else? Are we moved by conviction? Well, he was obviously moved, very moved by what he saw and what he believed. He said, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Isn't that beautiful? Not only is it going to be your inheritance, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your children. You see, that's one of the great things about the Lord is He's generational. And what he puts in your heart to do, and what he get, the promise he gets, it's not just for you, but it's for those who follow you. It's for your, your children, your grandchildren. You know what I'm saying? It's just the thing that God, see, God has got a big thought, okay? He's got a, a big mind. It's for your spouse if you don't have children. If you don't have children, it's for your mom and daddy. If they don't have it, it's for your family because God's interested in families, and he wants to heal families, and he wants to bring families into all that he has, he wants, there's generations of people that have missed the word of the Lord, have missed the promises of God. And God, God grieves over that. He grieves over that. He said this. I'm going to jump down to verse 12 now because he said a few other things. But so, so this is Caleb. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. Give it to me. I want it. Give it to me. You will remember that, it's at, that, we, that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there. And great, this is a giant he's talking about. These are giants. These are big men, you know, sort of like Goliath. It's one of those types of people, uh, kind of mixture between angels and people possibly. But they were, some bad, they were bad news. I mean, you know, hey, how, you know, if you were a guy and some nine-foot dude's and you were going to get in a fight, that would be bad. Yeah, that would really be bad if you were going to fight a nine-foot guy. That's when you need like a nine-millimeter 
to kind of bring the bring everything to a night, you know, bring it all. Let's get this thing on an even playing field here, pal. Or a slingshot like David. See, that was his nine millimeter. It was a five shooter. That's what David, he had a five shooter. So, you know, I don't know what people think about guns or stuff, but he had his five shooter of his day. It was a slingshot and some five smooth stones. So, you know, that's what I'm saying about that. (laughs) Anyways, but if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. See, that's a man who's believing something, believing something big. So Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron, which is an amazing place. You know, it was one of the places where King David was uh, coronated as king. Uh, Hebron. Hebron is a famous place in the Bible. And it was a place where giants lived. And so you had this 85-year-old man, okay, who waited all these years and who went after, who wanted to go and wanted to go where the giants were so he could take the giants down. He wasn't 40 years old, but he was 85. And he got this blessing from Joshua, who was the leader, so he shows that really Caleb had a real submissive heart, you know. You know, he was willing to submit to Joshua because because God had set Joshua over the nation. But as far as a, of an equal, he was an equal to Joshua. He really was. It just Joshua had a, a a position that that Caleb honored and that Caleb submitted to that position. But as far as an equal, he was an equal to Joshua. Him and Joshua were the two greatest men of their era. They really were. They were the great men. They were the man for their time. And I'm telling you, God is calling the body of Christ just in this time to be those kind of people. To rise up and not let fear and not, not let failure, whatever, you know, that, has, that holds you back. Um, you know, so let me read. I'm going to jump over uh, and read this one verse out of Numbers 14. Uh, Numbers 14, verse 24. You should go and read all this. Uh, Numbers 13 and 14 kind of tells the story of Kedish Barna and then uh, all of uh, Joshua 14. Uh, this is what the Lord said. But my, This is the Lord speaking. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. See, the Lord spoke it. Because he said he has a different spirit. You know, he has a different spirit. Let me tell you something. I believe this. I believe that God is offering this kind of spirit to people. Years ago, I had this encounter with the Lord. Okay? And it really changed my life. And part of it had to do with getting an orphan spirit off of me and God saying to me, I'm offering you a spirit like Caleb. And it took me a long time to really understand that because I didn't understand. I understood the orphan spirit was gone, but I didn't really understand about this Caleb thing. You know, I really didn't because it's the kind of thing you had to sort of live to really understand it. It's not something... It's like God didn't give me instant revelation on what it meant. But I knew there was something about this. It was a very powerful moment in my life. Uh, and everybody needs those moments. Everybody needs those encounters with the Lord that shifts your life. But something shifted in me that very day. And God, over those years, that was 16 years ago, 
And over those years, God has, has worked in my heart to really help me to come to a greater understanding of who I am. You know, that, that God has not given me a spirit of fear. Because before that, I feel like that thing operated on me, that spirit of fear. But he's given me a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. If I had to sum up, I could walk away from here. That that's the one thing I've really figured out about Caleb. Love, power, and a sound mind. He did not operate from fear on any level. He operated in love. He operated in power. And he operated in a sound mind. And that's what God has offered to every born-again person. Because the Bible declares, I have not given you a spirit of fear. So if you have fear in you today, if fear is the spirit that works in your life and influences you, it is not from Jesus. You're being, you're being influenced by another spirit. But if you can get that spirit of love, spirit of power, and spirit of sound mind, if you can shift to that and learn how to cooperate with that, your life can be different. I promise you it will be different. So I wrote down a few things that, that I've learned uh, over the years about Caleb and trying to you know, understand this. First, I wanted to tell you this. I had this dream I think it was three nights ago, that we were in church like this, and a friend of mine uh, who passed away um, probably eight years ago um, was in the church, and he was up here at the front of the church, and it's like, wow, Chet, you are, he was like a completely different person. He was full of the presence of God, had so much grace on him, that was incredible, and he was not a very graceful person. If you knew this guy, I mean, he was—he was—he was rough around the edges. Christian is what he was, but he was very lovable. But, but he was like a different person. There's this different spirit on him, and what he was doing, it was like. Remember, we honored the graduates a couple of weeks ago. Well, he was honoring the graduates, okay. And but it wasn't people graduating from school in the natural. It was people that God was promoting. And he was calling people out in the church and telling them to stand up. And he was speaking this promotion over this graduation over them. And I realized in the dream, it was like, when he got done, it was like, oh, my gosh. I was supposed to preach. I said, I can't preach after this. I, there's no way I could even say anything. Because God had, had already done something amazing, and I didn't want to take away from it. And I believe God, I believe literally that's what God wants to do. Is He wants to, to lift some people up and stand them up and say, you're graduated now. It's time to get into the work world. It's time to, to be what I've called you to be and what I have prepared you for all these years because that was those 45 years of Caleb. Caleb was ready to go, but God spent 45 years of him walking in the wilderness to prepare him for this moment where he could have his inheritance. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I believe there's people who've been prepared in this room that God wants to lift you up and say, your day has come. You're graduated. Here's your diploma. Now get with the next phase of your Christian life and your calling and your mission. We're not in a time to stop that. The devil wants the church to stop. He wants to shut the church down. But God is saying no. And he wants to lift the church up and he wants to lift you and I as individuals up. Gosh, I've spent so much time. Uh, I'm talking a lot of stuff here. All right, number one. 
Uh, keys from Caleb. Caleb, hey, I love this. This is really powerful. He saw the promise. He focused on the promise, not the problem. He focused on the promise, not the problem. Okay? He, Caleb and Joshua both saw the same things that all those other ten guys, they saw the issues, they saw the difficulties, they saw the, the powerful men, warriors, they saw the giants, they saw the wall cities, but it didn't move them. It didn't move them because their focus wasn't on that. Their focus was on the word of the Lord. God said we can do it. God said we can take it. So we're going to focus on that. We're going to believe that and we're going to step into that. That's why Jesus said in Mark 11 when he was speaking to his disciples, when he said, if you speak to this mountain, it'll move. If you, if you, it'll move, he was saying, because faith will move the mountain. Now, faith doesn't deny there's a mountain there. Faith didn't deny there were giants in the land. Faith didn't deny there were powerful warriors in that land. But faith saw something else. Faith saw something greater than what their natural eyes were seeing. And, if you know, we've got to become people of faith, right? We've got to be people who can begin to operate in the realm of faith a lot more than we have. I think that's, that's I was telling Becky on the way here, that's the one thing I feel like God has just been speaking to me about is because I know there's areas in my life, there's seasons in my life where I feel like I haven't been in faith like God wanted me to be. I wasn't trusting him like he wanted me. I wasn't believing what he wanted me to believe. I was letting my circumstances dictate. I was letting what other people said dictate. Instead of by faith, allowing the faith of Jesus to work in me. And so I believe that's where we're headed. And that's what Joshua and Caleb were doing. They were men of faith. They weren't focusing on that. And again, faith doesn't deny there's problems. It doesn't deny there's issues. It just keeps its eyes on something better and greater. And that's why, you know, with the healing thing, is that's where we had to keep going back to. By His stripes, we are healed. That's what faith says. Even though you may have the problem, and you can't, you're not denying, if you have a sickness, you don't deny that you're sick. But you see something greater. I'm healed in Christ. I want to see that faith manifest. I want to see that healing manifest. And that's when we pray for the sick, that's really what we're praying. We're praying that what God has already done in Christ on the cross, we're praying that that would manifest in in, in the sick person's life. And that healing would be set, they would be set free. It's just like every human being on this planet who's ever lived since Christ, has been saved. The problem is, is not every human being has said yes to that salvation. Right? They can be saved. They can enter into it. Because Jesus has already done the work. He's done the work for the healing. Y'all already know that. But that's important to keep talking about. Because that's putting your eyes on the invisible. That's putting your eyes on what, what G, the word of the Lord says. All right, the, the, the next thing is number two uh, is you had to pursue your inheritance. You got to pursue it. Okay, Caleb had to wait 45 years for his inheritance. But listen to this. When the time came, listen to me. When the time came, he didn't wait for good old brother Joshua, his best bud, 
for 40-something years that we hung out together and chit-chatted and dreamed about this thing while we were in the, in the wilderness. No, when the time came, he went to Joshua and said, I want my inheritance. I want it. He didn't wait. He didn't wait for somebody to come to him. He went after it. And there's a passive spirit that gets on people where they want somebody else to do something for them. They have these issues. They have these needs. They have these wants. They want to grow spiritually. I need somebody to mentor me. I need somebody to touch me. Go after them. Because they're not going to come after you unless God specifically tells them. And you can't have this passive thing on you if you're going to enter into to your inheritance. You know, one of the names, meanings of Caleb's names is forcible. It's forcible. In other words, he was going to force the point. Because he says it's time, and there is a time to force the point. There's a time to wait, and there's a time to get up and move. Caleb understood those two times. He understood the time. The waiting's over with. It's time. I'm going to force this issue. I'm going after my inheritance because God said I could have it. And it's time for me to have it. Uh, you know, there's a famous scripture, Matthew eleven twelve. It says, the kingdom of God suffers violence. You ever thought about that? Like, what is that? That's a crazy verse. And the violent men take it by force. Well, that means the kingdom, this is what this means. The kingdom is violently taken over. It's forcing its way because there's men and women who are seeking first the kingdom. Y'all get that? That's how the kingdom, you see, the kingdom of God is a violent thing. It's taken over. It's an invasion. It's wanting to invade the world. And the way it invades the world is by people like you and I who seek first the kingdom. Does that make sense? That's what that verse means. There's a pursuing that we have to do. There's something we have to do. Christ has already accomplished it all. Now we've got to go after and make the accomplishment a reality. We really do. This is not dead works. This is just doing life in the kingdom the way God wants us to do it. The way God designed it. All right. Y'all looking really good. The blessings of the Lord is a gift, but we got to reach out for it. Okay? Because, here's why we have to reach out for it. Because there's a devil, there's a hell, and it's doing everything it can to stop us. And so we do have to press into these things. We do have to reach for these things. And if you'll pay attention to the Holy Spirit, if he, if, he, if he says don't do it, don't do it. It's not time. But if he's saying don't do it, I'm a default guy. You know what that means? I'm going to go on after, I'm going to do something, and if, if, uh, if I don't hear anything from God, I've got the green light. Just assume you have a green light from God. Just, uh, I'm serious. Assume you have a green light. Stop when he says stop. If he doesn't say anything, keep going. That's how I do the Lord. Lord, you got anything to say to me about me today? Good. I'm glad you don't because I didn't want to talk about me. You know? If God wants to tell you something, if you're asking God and being sincere, he'll, he'll speak to you. Are you all okay? <laughs> oh, okay, look, number three is you have to know how to fight your battles. Everybody say that. Oh, Lord. i got to tell you about this one. So, you know, they sent him into the land to spy the land out, to understand the land because they knew the land is not going to just welcome us. There's going to be a fight. So part of their job was to go and get a strategy on how to take the land. 
And so what we have as Christians, we got to learn how to fight our battles. Hey, this is big, y'all. Okay? This is, this is hard, school of hard knocks here. You got to know how to not only know how to fight your battle, you got to know which battles you're supposed to fight. Lord have mercy. That is very hard. You can't be fighting everybody else's battles. There's some people they want to fight everybody's battles. There's some people who are in a constant warfare mode. They're always looking for some battle to fight. And you know what that'll do to you? That will wear you out. That'll harden your heart. That you know that'll mess you up. I wanted to read this one scripture here. Oh, uh, this this strategy that I learned the hard way uh, came from David. Remember David in the story of David at Ziklag. Him and his men were out somewhere. Uh, the raiders came into the city, burnt the city down, captured their families, took their wives, took all their possessions, and took off. David and his men get home. The city's burned down. Their families are gone. And they're just beside themselves, just weeping and broken. It says they wept that they couldn't even weep any longer. That's how tore up they were. It was one of the worst moments in David's life. And then the men got upset with David because, David, you are the one. It's your fault. And they wanted to kill David because of what had happened. Even though he didn't do anything, he was just out with the men. But because he was the leader, somebody's paying for this, right? Isn't that the way it goes? Somebody's going to pay. So, David, you're going to pay because you're the leader and we shouldn't have lost our family like this. I want to read this in 1 Samuel 36, verse. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, rightfully so, and they began to talk of stoning him. But listen, so here's number one about you. But David found strength in the Lord. David found strength in the Lord, his God. So David prayed. This, this is how you determine your battles. You got to pray. You got to have some time of worship. You got to have some time of meditation. This is how you. This is how the battle. This is how you know you engage something. You begin to let the Lord minister to you, and strengthen your heart, and build you up, and begin to, to minister. And David called on the the uh, priest, Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. Okay. That was how they determined the will of God. In other words, David was seeking counsel outside of himself. He wasn't just going with what he was feeling in his heart. He was trying to get counsel from, from the priest, from the pastor, from the leader, from the godly friends. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And that's what he was doing. I wasn't paying attention to that. It's all good, Judy. It's Judy anyway. You're like, you know. Nobody's going to fuss at you, Judy. <laughs> right, Jerry? <laughs> Anyways. So they brought the, they brought the ephod to, Jerry, to David. And then David asked the Lord, asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. You know, that's what we have to do. Some... We, we have to ask the Lord about this, about pursuing the promises. We have to ask the Lord about pursuing things. We can't just assume something. Don't wear yourself on fighting battles. At the end of the day, you're not going to gain anything. In fact, I have this motto in my life. It's called strategic losing. 
In other words, you don't want to win every fight with your wife. Let her win a few fights. Okay, oh, yeah, honey, yeah, right. Okay, we can eat that tonight. That's great, yeah. Just let her win a few. But there are certain battles in my life that I will absolutely go down over. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, will, I will, there's hills that I will die on, honestly. So in every relationship that I'm involved in, if there's decisions being made, I'm trying to be real careful that I don't always get my way. Somebody hear me what I'm saying to you. Don't always get your way. There are some things you can let them have their way on. That's great. That's good. That's beautiful. It doesn't matter. But there are some things in your life you're going to want your way on. You believe this is something God's told you or you're going to, there's something set that you will not compromise on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's how you fight battles. That's how you learn how to fight battles. And when people come to you and try to drag you into something, first thing you need to ask them is, did the Lord tell you to do this? If, you, and they don't, if they say, no, why are you talking to me about it? I don't, I've had people over and over try to drag me into family situations. As a pastor, would you come? like, no. No, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to go in that situation. Because the minute I walk in the door, everybody's going to flare up and be on the defense because I'm present and I'm on your side, so to speak. And I'm not on your side. I'm on God's side. And if you're wrong... I will just lay you open in front of everybody. <laughs> Not really, but, but you just have to learn how to do that in life. Don't take on other people's offense. Don't take on other people's burdens. You have to ask the Lord and believe what God tells you. Now, these are, this will really help you in your life. I wish I'd have known this stuff a long time ago because I got killed. I got drugged into so much stuff, and I let myself get drugged into other people's stuff, and it was always, it ended bad for me every time. You walk away, nobody's happy with you. Everybody's mad at you. Everybody. You know, I got tired of that. Like, phew. If, if people are going to get mad at me, I want them to be mad at me because of something God told me, and this is what I'm sticking to. That way I'm good, I'm at peace, y'all got problems. <laughs> okay, are you, I'm, I'm gonna, I got to go. Number four, you will need conviction and courage to go against popular opinion. Conviction and courage. They, uh, Caleb did not go with the flow of everybody else's opinion. Okay? And so that's going to be real important for us. Oh, what's this church doing? Oh, what's this person doing? Oh, what are they saying? What's the government saying? What's the medical community saying? What is this people saying? What's the Democrats saying? What's the Republicans saying? Listen, we're going to have to go against some stuff. We're going to have to not go with what everybody's saying and doing. We need to hear the word of the Lord and go with that. I mean, we're really going to have to learn. I saw this illustration one time. Well, this probably y'all have seen it if you was ever in the corporate world. <laughs> you know, these leadership things they do. Y'all have been, to, if you've been in the corporate world, you've been to them. You know, just where you at on how to be a better leader. So they have these professional leadership people. I don't know what they do. <laughs> to be a professional leadership person. But they bring all their leaders in and have lunch and sit there in a room and listen to somebody talk to them about being a better leader. Well, one of the classic things that probably every one of them do, that, uh, in some form, the one I particularly remember, was a canoe, okay, with a bunch of people in it, row, rowing. And all of them were rowing one way except one person, and he was rowing the opposite way. 
And of course, the leadership guru said, which person in this, room, in, on, in this boat is hurting the team? And everybody obviously said, it's the person rowing the wrong way. But what if there was a 90-foot waterfall that they were rowing into and that one guy knew we can't go that way. The nine or however many people in there, they were the ones hurting the teamwork. You see what I'm saying? I think that's a great illustration. That stuck with me for some reason. Is that we have to really be willing to be that one person that goes against the tide of opinion. Really do. And it can be uncomfortable to be that one person. But that's what Caleb was that day. Caleb and Joshua. They went against what everybody else was saying. They were saying no. And what we need to do is have people who have the courage to be able to do that. If you've got a word of the Lord, and everybody's saying, go right, go right, go right, but you have this word, and the Lord said, no, you don't go right. You better go left right now. We need to be able to hear that voice. Hear that voice. We, need to be, we need to be that voice. We need to be people who can hear that voice for ourselves. That we feel like we've got something and we're, you know, hey, three or four here, we're in agreement, we're doing this. And then we got one person saying, I don't believe it's the Lord. I believe you're missing the Lord. We need to be people who can hear that. Are you, are you okay? Yeah, are y'all, mm-hmm. All right. This was good too. I, I'm almost done. I promise. Beware of the power of negativity. Beware. Negative people, negative reports, negative news. <laughs> They're vampires. That's what they do. They suck the faith right out of you. They will suck it out of you. If you listen to that negative stuff enough, it's going to suck it out of you. It's going to suck progress out of your life. And that's what happened with these guys. Okay? These ten spies. They suck the faith right out of everybody all of a sudden. They suck faith out, and where faith is not, fear is. And suddenly fear became the king that day. And so in our life, we have to be very careful about what we listen to. I'm not going to go back through all that again, but the news media, the social media, all that, there's so much negative. We had to, what it does to you is sucking you down. It's sucking any kind of positive mindset you have, any hopeful heart you have. It's slowly but surely leaching it out of you. That's, that's what it does to you. There's people that the devil will send into your life who are negative. They'll tell you what you can't do all day long. They'll tell you why what you're saying is not right. And so what you have to do is you have to learn how to put some space between you and that negative stuff. You've got to pay attention to that. Because it will destroy your faith. It will cripple your faith. And, and negativity is a very powerful force. I think we'd all agree with that, what's happening so that's, that's another thing. All right. I think that was really important. That, I had to learn that one the hard way. And the, the last one I'm going to say is this. There's a lot more stuff, but it's about keeping your heart in what you're doing. You know, that's, that was the one thing that was spoken over and over about uh, Caleb. Is he wholly followed the Lord with all his heart. Is, there's nothing worse than somebody who's just going through the motions, right? You don't want to go through the motions of your Christianity, 
That, that's ridiculous, right? Who wants a Christian where you're just going through, oh, I'm going to read the Bible today. I'm going to go through the motions of reading the Bible. I'm going to go through the, you may not say that, but many times we wind up doing stupid stuff like that. Just going through the motions. You've got to put your heart into what you're doing. You've got to put your heart, if you believe God has put, give you something, if you believe you have a promise from God, you go after that thing. You put yourself into that thing. You don't do a little bit of it. You go all the way with it. Now, I realize that's a dangerous way to live, right? That's, and you'll probably have some failures in your life. By doing that, you're probably going to fail at times. You're probably going to make mistakes at times. But I would rather fail really wholly following what I really believe was the Lord than sitting back and playing it safe, you know, trying to make sure everybody's happy, everybody's good, I'm safe, all that. You're not safe. you got to give yourself. And, and I really want to encourage you that you, can, you, should, you should do that starting with God Himself. If you're going to be a believer, wholly follow the Lord. Give God your all. Give Him yourself. Give Him your best, which is you, your heart. And, let him, and begin to live from your heart. Begin to live from in here. And begin to do from in here. Not from outside in, but from inside out. And when you begin to do that, then you'll begin to see success in what you're doing. Because that's where God's going to meet you. He's going to meet you from what's real in you and the real person in you. You know, because there's a time, you know, in my life where I felt what I, what I was doing on the outside, what I was saying on the outside was not equal to what was in me. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I began to really pay attention that there was a discrepancy in me. The discrepancy was I was saying stuff on the outside and doing things on the outside. They really was, were not in me. And God spoke to me and said, is this what's in your heart? And I said, no. He said, well, just do what's in your heart then. That's what he said. Do what's in your heart. What I've put in there. I've put something in you. And God has put something in everybody in this room. He's put a promise in you. He's put a word in you. He's put something in you. He's put a passion in you. He's given you something. He's gifted you. He's talented you. He's made you who you are for a reason, for a purpose. And if you'll begin to tap into that and begin to go after that and live your life according to that, when you get old, you'll be a happy person. When you get old, you won't have all these regrets in your life and all these mistakes that you made doing all this other crazy stuff. I have found this in my life. I have found people who really pursue what's in them and really believe and have hope that they backslide less. They're not as susceptible to being falling into sin. Because there's this power in them that's working. And they begin to realize, oh, why should I sin? Why should I do this thing when I have this other thing working in me that's so much greater? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? you got something greater in you. So it keeps you more focused on the Lord. It keeps you going forward to the Lord. It keeps the spiritual life the scriptures, the prayer, whatever it may be, it keeps those things passionate and alive. 
That's what it does for you. You don't have to try to drum it up. It burns in you. It pulls on you. Y'all are looking at me with some blank looks. <laughs> That's what being a Caleb's like, y'all. It really is. One thing I wanted to pray over you um, is a childlikeness. I feel like that, I don't know, I don't know why, but when it comes to the Bible, I'm, I'm really fascinated with the Bible. That's how I feel about the Bible. I'm fascinated with it. And I feel like it's a childlikeness in me towards the Scripture. And it's really helped me have a, a, an amazing life in the Scriptures. It's like a little child who's fascinated with something, wants to find out about it, asks questions about it, explores it. You know how kids can be about stuff they want to know about. That's a gift from God. It's not something I drummed up, even thought about. I was just asking the Lord one day, is like, I just seem to have this amazing grace on my life, Lord. A lot of people don't read the Bible. A lot of Christians don't read the Bible. I love reading the Bible. Why, what's the difference? And I feel like the Lord said, it's, you, you have a fascination. You have a childlikeness. And I think God wants to give us all that. Where we're not approaching the Bible to defend our position or to, you know, affirm our, bi- our biases or affirm our theology. But we're just, we just have this childlike hunger to know something you, do you hear what I'm saying to you? That do we, there's something there. There's a mystery there. There's something there for me. I want to know about that. I'm hungry to know. That's a gift from God. Would anybody like to have that gift? I mean, I, I'm serious. I've thought about that a lot. I just want to pray that over you, that God would give you that. Just a childlikeness. I think just a childlikeness in general about a lot of things, about the Lord and about, about God's ways. And I think that's our, our key for staying hungry and staying, you know, staying full of the Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, as the Lord shifts things, as the Lord changes things, as the church changes, as what God is doing and the focuses of the Holy Spirit, as those things begin to shift and change, instead of us resisting it, we embrace it, and we are excited about it. It's not like we're mourning over what we lost, but we're rejoicing that God is taking us further, and God is doing new things with us, and God is revealing new stuff about Himself to us. And I think that's what childlikeness will do for us as we go forward. All right, y'all stand up. I'm going to just stop because y'all are looking at me badly. I mean, just, are y'all bored? <laughs> Lord, we want a Caleb spirit. We want a, a spirit like Caleb. Lord, do that and just ask you. I just want to pray. If you have an orphan spirit working on you, maybe uh, abandonment. You feel abandoned. You, you, you feel alone. You f- there's times where you feel afraid. You feel like you're going to be left out. 
See, all those are symptoms of that orphan spirit. They're all symptoms. It's abandonment. You feel abandoned. You don't feel cared for. You don't feel loved. You don't feel like anybody sees you. You don't feel like anybody knows you. You don't feel like you're worthy. You feel like you've got to do something to please God. You feel like you've got to do something for God to embrace you. See, all that's orphan mindsets. And see, that day in my life, 16 years ago, God broke it. And I didn't know what He was breaking off Him. But I just knew there was this spirit that had been on my, me on my entire life. For 50 years that I had felt this thing on me. And it was a, I felt abandoned. And I knew at that moment it was gone. It was just, it left me. It just left me. And I even asked the Lord, what in the world was that? And the Lord said, it was an orphan spirit. And at that time, I had never heard. And he gave me the scripture right down in the spot. He said, John 14, 18. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. Or I will not leave you abandoned. But I will come to you. And I knew Jesus at that moment. This is way beyond my salvation years. At that moment, Jesus came to me. And he, did, he orchestrated the whole thing. I wasn't even pursuing it. He came to me at that moment and broke that thing off of me. And then he began to speak to me about Caleb. That was the first thing he showed me was Caleb. Byron Caleb. That's who you are. You're Byron Caleb. That's what Jesus told me that day. And at that time I had no clue about what that meant. And I didn't know it for years. But I knew something happened that day. That was spiritual, and, and I, my life was changed that day. It really was. It was powerfully changed. But the Caleb spirit is a spirit of faith. It's a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That's what it is. And I had to learn how to walk in that love, power, and sound mind. And I'm so thankful today. Y'all, I know I'm going along, but I am just so thankful today that God has shown me. I was telling Becky, I feel loved. I feel loved by God all the time. I don't feel loved by God when I'm having a great time or I've done it. I feel loved by God when I'm mad at Becky. Now, he might say, hey, you need to stop being mad, buddy. But I do feel loved. I feel accepted by God. I feel cared for by God. I see God as my Father. He did all that. I see myself as a son. He put all that in me. He did all that for me. And it changed me. It made me into a different person. But I think now is the time to go to a whole other dimension and go into a whole other place with this. And I just want to pray, Lord, for every person in this room who doesn't feel loved, who for years my, my statement on was love is I'm loved by faith. By faith I'm loved. Just trusting that God did. But I didn't feel it. I didn't sense it. I couldn't tell you. I could say God loved everybody. But if I was the only person, would he love me? I could not answer that question honestly. And say love really is the most important thing there is. There's nothing more important than love. Faith works through love. Faith's energized by love. Faith, hope, and love is what our Christian life has to be built on and built, and it has to continue flow in us. So I believe, you know, that was a time for the last 16 years where God really taught me about love and being loved and knowing what love really is. But now I think there's a time, faith, to come forth.
Love, power, and a sound mind. Love, power, and a sound mind. That's Caleb. Love, power. That's what he walked in. And God really is offering that to us, y'all. And I just pray. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk in love, power, and a sound mind. I pray that we be people of great faith. Lord, I pray for the people in this room that are under fear. Lord, I just say that that's not something that you gave them. And I pray today that they would begin to reject fear. Spirit of fear doesn't belong on the people of God. Spirit of fear does not, is not your portion. Love, power, and a sound mind is your portion. Listen, if you get nothing else out of this message, if you get nothing else, you can do one thing right now today. You can say, I'm going after love, power, and sound mind. It's mine. I want it. I want it now. You don't have to wait for it. You can have it today. Joshua, Jesus, I want love, power, and sound mind. It's mine. You said it. It's in the Word that God didn't give me fear, but He gave me that. Now, I want it. I want the promise. I want it fulfilled in my life right now. You can do that. I'm going to get Becky to come in here because I'll get in trouble if I keep going. Well, Lord, we just thank you today. Um, I'm, I'm just feeling that, that phrase that Caleb was of a different spirit. And I believe that message is really what Byron is preaching, that we are to be a people of a different spirit. And that's what we're going to say. Lord, today, Lord, we just lift up our hands to you and we ask you, Lord, to make us those, your people, your people, God, of a different spirit, Lord, that will stand up in faith. We'll walk forth in faith. Lord, we will live by every word you speak. Lord, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, Lord God. And we're asking you today, make us a Caleb people. Lord, make us a Caleb people, people of a different spirit, Lord. We call that down right now by the power of the Holy Ghost to come down on your people now and release it in and through us, Lord God, that we reject the spirit of fear that is operating in the world and and just inundating people completely. Lord, we say we reject that and we say the spirit of Caleb coming on your people now. Lord, we break the orphan spirit, Lord, that makes us fearful. Lord, we break that off of your people now in Jesus' name. We call upon the Holy Ghost to flood us today. Lord, we are your sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We want to pray for some people today. We just I feel like there's some people that really, when Byron was saying that about that orphan spirit being broken... We're going to really have some people to come. I know there are people in this room that really feel like that the Lord has done that in their life. He's broken the orphan spirit. And I want you praying over some, some of us today. So come on up, ministry team. As Becky was saying that, I just went to Byron. I said two things, Byron, promotion and the orphan spirit. There's people here that have been promoted by the Lord, and you might not know that. And if you need prayer, come up front. 
And then the other thing is the orphan spirit. The Lord's really dealing with that in Isaiah's body today. So, and it's not you know the orphan spirit tends to always try to come back. Really, it's it's it came with the fall of man. So it's a it can be a default thing where the enemy always will try to come back on your weakness, come in through doors of your weakness, and and that spirit come crawling back. So we have to continue, especially with what's ahead of us. We have to continue contending that we will not allow the spirit to operate in our lives. So, amen. Let's get hands laid on us. If you don't want hands laid on you, people can stand afar from you. We still are being sensitive with that. Um, No matter what, we really are going to operate in grace with one another. And so, if you want to have your hands, ask. Our, Our team will ask you if you want hands laid on you. If not, they'll stand from afar. But we just want to really go out of here today equipped with this message. And we receive it, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you. Be blessed at home. Be blessed. We just bless you in the name of the Lord. We're glad you could be with us today. And uh, no, no separation. We love you. Amen.